Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Less than uh, a week since the end of the uh, NFL draft, and things are happening with the Tennessee Titans. It's been a busy week already. Former tackle Taylor Lewan suing renowned doctor James Andrews for medical malpractice, saying he uh, he botched Lewan's first knee surgery. As we uh, as we forecast here on this podcast a while back. Now that the draft is done, front office changes are are happening with the Titans, most notably Ryan Calden, who was interim GM after John Robinson was fired, is no longer uh, no longer with the team. He is not listed on the uh, the team's website at this point. Uh where he's headed, that has not been revealed if it if it's uh, if it's even set at this point, but uh as a guy who has interviewed for several GM openings in the last several years, uh, it, it seems certain he will end up in somebody's front office for the uh, for the coming season. Players met the media. Uh, select players met the media this week, including uh, quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who talked about a little case of deja vu with the uh, with the Titans drafting a quarterback again this year and uh and his future being called into question. Uh so it's uh it's been an interesting entertaining week so far. If we uh if we have time we will touch on some of those things but uh coming back for the second time this week with Believe in Titans podcast to uh to talk about the 2023 draft class and uh specifically the the back half of the the class which we did not get into in our last episode uh so as always joined by former titans cornerback denard walker denard welcome in thank you david how you guys doing this evening i'm doing great and uh john glennon of the nashville post john how are you i am well sir hope you guys are too all right doing great i am david beauclair and uh Again, I remind you, this is the Believe in Titans podcast brought to you by Bet Online, your uh, your source for all your sports betting. Let's let's start. Let's. I mean, we uh, we need to look. I think first here with the third round pick, Tajay Spears. We brought him up briefly in the last episode, but uh, this uh, this is a guy who who some people. Think could be a, a a real a real boon for this offense. A guy who uh, who was a, a clear playmaker in uh, in college at Tulane, but uh, but he has a he has an interesting injury history. In fact, John, why don't we go to you? Uh, you you can you can fill us in specifically on uh, on. We mentioned Taylor Lewan and knee injuries. Talk talk about talk about this guy's knee. Yeah, that's uh, this guy's got quite an interesting story when it comes to knees. Um, he has uh, reportedly had two ACL surgeries in his football playing career dating back to high school, once in high school, and then 2020, uh, another ACL surgery. And it was reported uh, by uh, Ian Rappaport of, of the NFL Network um, that, uh, interestingly enough, 
He no longer has an ACL in, in his right knee, which is uh, interesting. I can't say I've heard a uh, a player, um, you know, in that circumstance before. Um, so certainly, you know, one could say, well, wait a minute. Uh, you're talking about a Titans team that was wanting to, to, to draft and bring in players that didn't have an injury history. What's going on here? What are you, what are you bringing in a player who's had already had two ACL surgeries in his life? Um, but. You can also see the other uh, side of this. He had that last surgery in 2020 for the ACL. Since then, he has been a workhorse. He has played a, a ton of snaps, had a ton of carries. Uh, his last two years, the numbers, 358 carries, 2,444 yards, 28 touchdowns, and averaged about seven, almost seven yards a carry during that time. So, if indeed uh, uh, Tajay Spears, uh, you know, had ACL issues, we well, he, you know we know that. And if he if he does not have an ACL, he's doing a pretty good impression of a guy with a healthy ACL. I'll, I'll say that. So you know, maybe down the line, in a few years, maybe the, it becomes an issue. Maybe there's arthritis and and so forth. But uh, let's let's all be honest here. NFL teams don't tend to keep running backs outside of a guy like a Derrick Henry. For a real long time, either. So maybe he's good for the Titans, you know, for for a few years, and then uh, and then it's time to look for another running back. We'll we'll see. Yeah, it, it's fascinating guy who in limited carries in 2019 and 2020 averaged 6.0 and 7.4 yards per carry, and then in a in a bigger workload 2021 and 2022 6.7 and 6.9 yards per carry, which is. Uh, which, which is pretty remarkable consistency at that level. Um, Denard, he's he's five foot eleven, one ninety five. Um, doesn't doesn't have huge receiving numbers in his career, but but looks more like that kind of guy, like like the the the, the third down change of pace back, more so than uh, than than Derrick Henry's heir apparent, don't you think? Well. Yes, I mean he's he's a remarkable player. He's out of Ponchatoula, Louisiana, which is one of my favorite places. And David and John, I I just got something to uh, tell you too because you know I love you like brothers that I never wanted. Uh, I'm disappointed, John. I'm disappointed in you, and you, that's why y'all love me so much because I come from a I, I come with a different perspective. Um, I want to I want to give you three names, David, and I want yeah. you to answer this. You're, I know one of the names you're going to mention. No, 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 no. You let me get this out because when you guys come with these short arms, I got to come back at the both of you. <laughs> now, do you think Hans Ward was a Hans Ward, the great Pittsburgh Steelers? You think he was pretty good, David? He was. He was. He was fair. He had his moments. No, sure. I gave you yeah. What you mean he was fair? Come on, man. You talk about Hans Ward. Hans Ward was an animal. A terrific, terrific football what player. What about what about John Elway? John, I've heard of him. Oh, John heard of him. Yeah. Did had a pretty okay. good career, don't you think? Decent. Yeah. It took him a long time uh, to win a Super Bowl. Though. And what about the whole? Let's go way back. Let's go Willie Joe Namath out of Alabama. Yes. Great. great career, right? Hall of Famer, the great Broadway Joe. Fine. What, what do these three players have in common? I'm guessing they didn't I'm have uh, ACLs. They did not have an ACL, no ACL <laughs> at all. And John Elway went number one. Haas Warren is the future 
future Hall of Famer, and we know about Willie Joe Namath. Not one of these players had an ACL, so this is a non-issue. And when you think about Tajay Spears, I think he's going to have a remarkable career because if you look at his numbers his senior season, over 1,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, and he was second among all running backs, considered one of the best players at his position. This is a non-issue because what this young man has done, he told that ACL his sophomore year, came back, I mean, just a phenomenal career at Tulane. I think he's going to be an explosive player. He doesn't look very big. And actually, David, he's not 5'11". He's 5'9". And not to mention, he's a, got short arms at 30 and 3'4". So, David... He's a perfect fit for this team, then. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm excited about this pick, David. I think he's going to be a, a huge addition to this offense. Yeah, it, it's interesting. 1,581 yards last year, and back to the yards per carry. The guy is never, the guy in college never carried more than 18 times in a game. I mean, you know, talk about making the most of your opportunities. He, uh, he did that, you know, only, only 22 catches for 256 yards was his career high last year. So, like I say, not a, uh, n- not a huge receiving resume to his credit, but, uh, but he lists Reggie Bush as his favorite athlete. So you, you know, you figure, okay, he, he probably tries to model his game after, uh, after Reggie Bush. We all know how good Reggie Bush and Lendale White were together at USC. And, and, you know, they, the Titans have been looking for this guy. A couple of years ago, they drafted Darrington Evans, who, uh, you know, who could not stay healthy and, and they, they cut ties with him after two years. You know, Dion De- Lewis was, uh, was here when Mike Vrabel started. Mike Vrabel likes that, you know, that third down guy, that pass receiving back. He wants that to be, you know, there, there was a, there was a time in 2019 where, you know, Dion Lewis was actually the number one back ahead of, uh, ahead of Derrick Henry. So it's, uh, you know they 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 will find a way. They will give this guy every opportunity to uh, to to go ahead and and make an impact on this offense and and do some of the things that I know they think they have been uh, they have been missing here in recent years. I was I was just going to make one more yeah. comment on on him, and uh, I think it was interesting when Rand Carthen spoke after the uh, the draft, and he was asked about uh, Spears and maybe the comment he made or if not the first very soon uh thereafter uh he said i think he's a three down back um you know and and immediately you know he wasn't necessarily asked that question but it it immediately made me me think that hey maybe down the line you know i mean derrick henry certainly at this point looks like he's going to be here this year beyond that we, we just don't know so maybe tajay spears uh is that guy can be that guy and i and i'm not saying 25 carries a game like Derrick Henry, but good enough in all circumstances that maybe he can be the the lead running back uh, a year from now if there's no more Derrick Henry, that he doesn't just have to be a uh, third down back. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's probably that's probably the ideal arc for him, if you will. You come in, you start with a very clearly defined role. I mean, you you know. As long as Derrick Henry's healthy, I mean, Derrick Henry's getting his 20 carries at least a game and 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 this guy'll fit in wherever wherever he can and then you you know potentially can grow from there but uh, uh to to me that that see uh, you know and maybe the fact that Rand Carthen brought it up it it almost feels like he was he was prepared for that you know to be an issue or a question and he was he was kind of defensive about it but uh 
But again, a guy who is who has never carried more than eighteen times in a game in his college career, I think that's uh that's a big step to see him becoming a twenty five carry guy if that's if if he can get there in the NFL. But uh but again, he can't, he can't turn out to to be much worse than Darrington Evans was, and that's no that's no knock on Darrington Evans. He couldn't stay healthy. It's not that he was a bad player. We, you know, yeah. I mean, we I mean we saw him. A, a, what, there was was it a game against Indianapolis? I think his late in his rookie year, where uh, you know he made some plays with the ball in his hand. And you're going, oh, okay, that's why they drafted that guy. That's what they're looking for there, and and it just he just couldn't just could not stay on the field, but. Uh, one of their bigger draft successes in the last few years, of course, was uh, was fourth round draft pick last year, Chigo Conquo, who is uh, who is in line now to be basically the Titans' number one tight end with uh, with uh, Austin Hooper having moved on, and uh, and this year in the fifth round, the Titans selected Josh Wiley out of uh, out of Cincinnati, uh, presumably you know, to, to play with Okonkwo in, in some packages and, uh, and in place of Okonkwo in others, uh, Denard, what, uh, what have you seen from this guy? What, uh, what do you think he, he offers to this team? Well, he's going to bring youth along with Chig. Uh, and you're talking about Josh Wally. I think he's a stud. He has a chance to be a great player in this league. Uh, 6'6", 245 pounds, a first-team All-AAC in 2022. He has great hands. you got to understand Josh's uh, transition. He transitioned from a receiver, and you see a lot of that on the field. He's great at catching the ball. He's a sure-handed receiver. You see him a lot of times. He runs a lot of those in-cuts. Tennessee loves to do that with their tight ends, and he's so big. You can see the athleticism that when he catches that football and how he can hit that burst and that gear, uh, especially on smaller defenders, I mean, he's tough to handle. And not to mention what you love about him is not just his size. What you love about him is his athleticism. That's really what shows out. But one of the things that was interesting was there was a writer by, from the Atlanta, uh, Athletic, and his name is Dane Brugler. You guys know you know who that is? I do. And he, what, what was so funny is I thought about uh, John when he talked about – he talked about his strength, and he says that he has good – he's a good-sized athlete with a tapered waist. What does that mean? What, what is a tapered waist? Is that what is like a slim-cut waist? Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. You're, uh, it, it's that it's that upper body sort of V shape where your shoulders okay. are much wider I, than your waist. What does that got to do with football? Mark Bravado didn't have a V shape uh, waist. Well, there's I, not I, a lot of excess baggage on him. Basically, okay. is what is what saying, I guess. Yeah, but he I, said, but it, it, Dane goes on to say that his weakness was he has short arms. I quit after that. I didn't want to read no more of the <laughs> article because <laughs> I thought about David. But he was again, collecting the whole set. That's yeah, what I, I could see that. But again, when you look at when you look at um, when you look at Joss, you see that player that they can line up in the slot, much like Austin Hooper. Uh, he has that. I think he brings a different element to this offense. David, we talked about this, and we alluded to the fact when you talk about Chig, you can put Chig at fullback. You can line him up at, you know, that tight end position. But very rarely did we see Chig line up in that slot like we saw Austin. It's like they had two different roles. And that's where I'm anticipating Josh. He's being kind of like when they run that double set or they run like a stack. You're going to see him on the outside kind of like Austin against 
the Green Bay game where you can match him up against smaller defenders. So I think at 6'6", 245, he brings a new element to this offense. I mean, you you, you assume that this is a guy that, that the Titans know an awful lot about. Luke Fickle, who was, of course, Cincinnati's head coach, uh, has since moved on to Wisconsin this offseason. But uh, Luke Fickle and, and Mike Vrabel are really good friends. Uh, I, I mean, I guess best friends is uh, is how it's often described. And, and so you would imagine when it comes to – Cincinnati players of the last couple of years that that there have been some really interesting conversations and uh, uh and and Luke you know the, the Titans wouldn't have made this pick without some sort of assurance that yeah this this guy can can really play and and you're gonna like him he is uh you know he he was Cincinnati's career record holder for touchdown catches by a tight end broke the mark previously held by Brent Selleck, who is, who's had a pretty nice NFL career in, in his own right. So, uh, uh, you know, John, you talked to him on draft day out there. What, uh, what, what was your take on him and, and how he fits in here? Yeah, he seemed like a, uh, like a good, uh, good dude. Um, you know, and you can tell there was certainly a background with, with Mike Vrabel, um, you know, he, I, I believe if I recall correctly, he was already calling referencing it was either Braves or Vrabel. And, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I, I met Vrabel or Vrabes last year when he was up here, you know, for, for pro day, he's a good guy. I, I, I like Vrabes. Um, and you know, I think, uh, what, what Denard, uh, referenced to, you know, he brought up Austin Hooper to me, this guy is the replacement basically for Austin Hooper. Like, you know, you've got your, almost strictly receiving tight end in, in Chigo Conquo. You've got your almost strictly blocking tight end in Trevin uh, Wesco, a free agent signee. And this guy is the guy who can do a little bit of both um, in, in Josh Wiley. And, and Denard, you also mentioned the athletic. There's another guy for the athletic, uh, Bruce Feldman, who who does a yearly list. I think it's called, what is it? Uh, is his freaks list, the I all, think it is. Free, yeah, the all-freak team, I believe. The all-freak team, yeah. And uh, he lists, I think it's about 100 prospects with all kinds of incredible athletic characteristics. And Josh Wiley was not, was in there. He was number 78 uh, on that list. And that does, you know, he's talking about things like broad jump and vertical and, and being able to, you know, uh, do an incredible amount of bench presses. So they've got a, a talent there. It wasn't necessarily a pick that jumped off the page at me, especially because I was thinking – at some point, are you guys ever going to take a wide receiver? Uh, and, and you know, they kept not taking wide receivers. Uh, but he should contribute. And and we asked Mike Vrabel afterwards, you know, this is a guy presumably that can play on the field at the same time as Shake. In other words, they're not doing the same thing. And he said, yeah, definitely, you know, different different things. So this will give them, you know, ability to do some some good things with two tight ends on the field. Yeah, apparently you weren't the only one uh, thinking, are the Titans ever going to draft a wide receiver? We we referenced Ryan Tannehill's press conference earlier this week, and uh, and and he said, too, that uh, that he thought that, that the Titans drafted a wide receiver finally a little probably later than I thought it was going to happen, which, uh, you know – you could you could read a lot into that if you want about potential frustration with uh with with who he's going to be throwing the ball to this year and whatnot we talked uh we talked earlier this week about uh about the uh, seventh round pick Colton Dowell 
and uh, and what he may or may not be able to do. But before they got to Dow in the sixth round, they went back to the offensive line where they started this year's draft and uh, and to, and took Jalen Duncan out of uh, out of Maryland, six six, three hundred twenty pound tackle. And and you know, you folks have heard me say this over and over again. I you know I, I get the uh, I get the the desire to have versatile offensive linemen, but, uh, but, but I'm a, I'm a big believer. And if you want a certain position, get a guy who plays that position. And, uh, and this guy started 39 games over four years and was a left tackle plain and simple. So uh, Denard, I I guess I'll ask you, is is this given, given that you've got Andre Dillard, you've got Peter Skaronsky, you've got Nicholas Petit Frere who can, uh, who could potentially be a left tackle if you decide that at some point? Uh, you have Jamarco Jones for one more year. You know, we we I, you know Dylan Radens is still on the roster. Is it is it safe to assume that that Jalen Duncan more than likely, if he's the left tackle of this team, it's not going to be this year? I don't think it's going to be this year. Uh, he's a work in progress. Uh, I had a chance to really break the big man down. He's raw, first of all, but he's big you know, 6'6", 320 pounds. And what you love about him, David, is he brings experience. I mean, what, 39 starts, a four-year starter uh, for the Terps. Um, when I break him down, it, it's weird. He he reminds me of a, a kind of a young Denard Walker. And I, I mean that in a good way. But what I mean by that is you can see that he has the potential, but he just needs the right people around him to bring it out. And so now you got a new offensive line coach and Jason Hotling, that's his job is to develop this young player, much like uh, Greg Brown developed, helped develop Denard Walker from a kid who could not backpedal into about five, you know, four or five years in the league. He can, he can do it well. And when you look at Jalen, a lot of positives. Now he is great in pulling. If you ever watch a big man pull around, that's, that's hard to do. I mean, to go from one place to the other and he is great at pulling. He's, he's got great footwork. What he struggles uh, is what we call pad level is he plays too high. A lot of times you can see a lot of defenders. You go back to the Penn state game. He struggled a lot of times when you see that defensive end, give him an underneath route, or you see a lot of times in the league where you will see a defensive end, like a Michael Parson, he's looked like he's going upfield and he's spin off right now. He struggles with that. And that's something that he's going to have to work with. It's something that I had to work with being six one playing corner is my pad level. So if you're coach hauling, what you see is you see so much potential. I mean, you go back to the Rutgers game. I mean, you watch him pull one time and he ends up catching a defensive back about my size. He took him right off the camera. I mean, he took him right down the field about 15 or 20 yards. That's what you want to see. He has a lot of upside, but again, he's a work in progress. John, what uh, we'll go right to you. What was the uh, what was the talk around or about Duncan on draft day? Yeah, I, I think I would agree with uh, what, what Denard said in terms of a work in progress. He's a guy that needs refinement, I think, you know. And, and it's a typical late-round pick, and, and we'll talk about Colton Dowell later, and it's similar in, in some respects there. You know, what you like about him, you say, hey, here's here's some things I can work with. Here is size. Here's a guy who's athletic. Here's a guy who's mobile. That's a pretty good base. You know, that's a pretty good base to start with. He's not necessarily the the strongest guy right now. The hands aren't aren't great, uh, um, but I, I think you know the Titans met with him two or three times. You know, at the combine, I want to say 
you know, maybe a 30 visit uh, also. And, and one other time, I can't remember whether it was a pro day or what, but it seemed like they increasingly liked him each time that they met him. Um, and he, he certainly needs to clean some things up. There were some negatives in terms of, you know, I think penalties uh, over the last two years. He'd had over 20 penalties the last two years. Uh, and then last season at Maryland, um, gave up seven sacks. But uh, again, you take the base, the, the the value that you have there in terms of large, mobile, athletic, you know, hungry. Okay, give me a year or two with a good offensive line coach, and I can, you know, the the hope certainly will be that that you can produce, if not a starter, at, at least a guy who can can fill in, uh, you know, if needed. And uh, interestingly enough. Aaron Brewer is another player who who met the media this week and and talked about Jason Hodling, the uh, the new offensive line coach, and sort of uh, sort sort of I guess said he's a nicer guy, easier to work with than uh, than Keith Carter, the uh, the the man who replaced. He described uh, Carter as an intense, aggressive, my way or the highway guy, and uh, so uh, you know it. it it won't necessarily be a lot of tough love. It sounds like for Jalen Duncan as he gets started, it'll be more, uh, a, a, more of a, a pump you up. Here you go, kid. You you can do this. Let's let's talk this through. Let you know, help me help you, kind of uh, kind of thing. And uh, uh, you know, finally, uh, finally with Colton Dowell. One one thing we didn't mention in the last episode is he's a local kid. I think there's, uh, you know, there, it's it's an interesting element. He is from uh, from Mount Juliet yeah, or Lebanon, John. Lebanon, it, Lebanon, Tennessee. Lebanon, yeah, Lebanon High School, and uh, and went to UT Martin. So he, you know, he's he's been around this area. He grew up uh, grew up a Titans fan, watching this team. Uh, you know, Denard, does that make it? You think that makes it easier on him, or or does 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 he have to? Be careful not to put any extra pressure on himself because of that. Boy, he's a seventh round pick. He already got pressure on himself. <laughs> <laughs> got to worry about being at home. I mean, and what a great story. I mean, grew up in the Nashville area, attended Central High School. And, uh, you know, when I, this is a, a pick that I'm very excited about, uh, John be, uh, and David, because the first thing that, the first name that came to mind when Tennessee drafted Colton Dow, I got a name for you. You remember Marquise Colston, who played for the Saints? He was a 252nd overall pick in the seventh round. And what a career he had with the Saints. Not to mention there was another uh, seventh round pick back in 1990 by the name of Big Play Shea. We can call him that. I know him as Shannon Sharp. Uh, 192nd overall out of Savannah State. And nobody thought, even Shannon said, hey, man, I didn't think I had a chance to make that Broncos team. And they just told him, go out there and you, you need to make a play. And it's so funny, but he ended up making a play and, and was able to make the roster. But what I love about Colton, what sticks out, uh, David, is the fact his physical attributes. He's six foot three. He's 216 pounds. What's amazing, he runs a 4-4-40. He has a vertical of 41.5, and he bench pressed 225. He had, what, 23 reps. That is amazing. That's a strong, that's a grown man. And, David, let me tell you something. If you watch the game against Tennessee, when you watch UT Martin, he was the one highlight reel. I mean, you saw him really work those defenders for the University of Tennessee, not to mention against Boise State. And what you love about him is his ability to catch the ball at his high point and use that big body, that big frame and have to shield off 
much smaller defenders. I think he's going to be a stud. I don't know. There's something about him that is special, not just his physical attributes, but when you watch him on the field, when he's when he kicks like a little simple end cut, he, he takes a 10-yard end cut, a catch, and takes it, and he'll end up making it into a 30-yard game. David, this guy is for real. Colton Dow is a name to reckon with. And again, the one thing he's going to have to remember, he needs to become best friend, just like somebody told me. Denard, find Russ Purnell. He might put you to sleep, but find him and become, make that your best friend. He needs to find Craig Aukerman because the way that he might make this team is going to be special teams. Yeah, similar to uh, to Tajay Spears, a, a guy who who did a lot with the ball in his hands, didn't didn't put up huge numbers. Only uh, only one season with more than forty catches, and that was last year when he caught sixty seven and, and topped a thousand yards. But his you know his go, going back to his second year, he averaged twenty point one yards per reception. In twenty twenty one, he was over eighteen yards per reception. Last year, it was better than fifteen. It's uh, uh, you know, you you almost wonder why his numbers weren't bigger, and I, I certainly haven't followed UT Martin football, so I you know I don't know what they were doing there, what kind of offense they were running. I'm curious, John is 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 there a chance maybe he was he was too good for some of his some of his teammates there, and and uh, didn't didn't have a chance maybe to show at the FCS level just how good a player he can be. Certainly, that possibility. You know, I think who we who we should have had on the uh, on the show tonight for a uh, uh, a scouting report on on him is uh, is our old friend Jim Wyatt, because as we remember, Jim Wyatt spent the first two years of his collegiate experience at UT Martin, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I'm sure he's been a UT Martin fan uh, ever since. But um, you know, yeah, I, I I'm intrigued. I, again, I, I I like a late round pick like this because. You know, in, in these kind of picks, you're taking chances on upside. Uh, you know, guys who haven't topped out, in your opinion. Um, and and as Denard mentioned, some of these great physical characteristics that that Colton Dowell has, you know, make you think, okay, maybe he's just starting to scratch the surface because he did this at a, at a lower level. Let's see what he can do. You know, moving up, and and he did have a great game against the University of Tennessee, and I think that you know that that got him on the uh, on the radar of a lot of people too. I will say I, I think this is going to be one of the more scrutinized seventh-round draft picks the Titans have had in a, in a while. And the reason is, you know, we've discussed uh, a couple of podcasts now that the Titans had a, have a glaring need at wide receiver and didn't choose to pick anybody at wide receiver until pick number 228 in the draft when they, when they took him in. So, A, he's got a really good chance to make this team because it's a pretty thin room. B, you know, if this guy's any good, they're going to give him a chance to contribute because there's not much experience there in that wide receiver room at all. So he's going to get every opportunity to to be a um, uh, a difference maker. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to what they uh, what they see in him. Yeah, Denard, you, you know, you referenced special teams and and the need to buddy up to Craig Aukerman. And, and to me, he, uh, you know, all he has to do is follow in the footsteps of Nick Westbrook-Akina, right? You know, you get on the field in special teams and, 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 and you show you can play there. And then when you get on the field on offense, make a play when you get an opportunity. Westbrook-Akina's, you know, he signed a one-year deal to come back this year. Um, you know, he, he could very much be... Next season, Colton Dow could very much be what Nick Westbrook-Akina was last season and, and will be this season. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a guy who's a, who's a 
fairly important part of the offense and uh and uh it it's uh it's certainly there for him if if he can do that so uh that that's uh that that takes us through the draft class six six players it's not a uh it's not a big group in terms of the numbers as we discussed last time it it's all guys on offense so uh we'll see uh we'll see what they can uh see what they can do if uh if if you're having to pick Denard, which of these four guys we discussed today, who's who's going to have the most productive rookie season? Maybe not the best NFL career, but based on what this where this team's at, what they need, who, who's going to have the most productive rookie season? This Colton Dallas for real. I don't care if he played in an FCS school. It's just like I referenced Marquise Coaston. Uh, uh, man, I'll tell you, and Shannon Sharp at Savannah State. And Marquise Coaston played at a small school in New Jersey. Uh, I can't think of the name, but uh, he, he, D- David, th- this young man, he shines in the biggest moments. You go back to the game against Boise State. So when he's on the field and he's playing against these big schools like a Boise State, he's making plays. And that's what happens when you take an FCS school versus like a D1. What happens is a lot of times your, your play is overshadowed because the score isn't so lopsided. But this is a young man I feel like can come in right now and make a contribution to this offense because, as John alluded to the fact, it, it, look at those receivers. There's so much inexperience. I mean, look at Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook, Akine, Racy McMath. Who do you have in there? You need some more help. So he might get a chance to come in early and uh, make some plays and be productive. John Glennon, who do you think is most productive right out of the, the gate here? I'll go with the the easy call maybe and go with the the earliest pick of those last four. I'll go with the third rounder in Tajay Spears. Um, you know, I don't care as we talked about before whether he has one, two, three, four, five, or six ACLs. You know, the the fact is that since the ACL surgery, he has put up huge numbers. Um, he has shown he can be explosive. Um, you know, productive. He's he's got he's got excellent balance. He's uh, he's he's hard to get a hold of. Um, I think, you know, I think the Titans are going to like what they see uh, in, in him in terms of a complimentary back. And I think he's going to be the best of that crew that we talked about earlier. And, and even some of the backs that they had last year, whether it was, you know, Chestnut or, or uh, Hassan Haskins, I think he's going to be the, the best of that, uh, that group. And uh, I think we're going to be surprised by some of his numbers this year. I'm going to go with uh, with round five, Josh Wiley, just because you know Denard Denard said it. Austin Hooper's out. This is a this is a guy who who could step right into that role. There might be nobody in front of him for that. Now you know it, it might be a case where uh, you know his rookie numbers are whatever they are, and over the next couple of years, there's not a huge increase. He he, he might be one of those guys, which. Uh, which I think would be fine given given the upside. We all agree that Chigo Conquo has, but uh, but uh, it's it, you know I, I think it just the fact that we've that we've landed on three different people I think speaks to the fact you know what we've all discussed there that the Titans went into this draft with some needs, particularly on offense, and uh, you know they other than tackle they didn't have the uh, they didn't have the opportunity to backstop themselves. They got they got one shot at these spots, and we'll see if. Uh, We'll we'll see if they can uh, if if they can come through. But that uh, that wraps up the analysis of the uh, the Tennessee Titans twenty twenty three draft class on this episode of Believe in Titans podcast. So as always, thank you. And until next week, Denard Walker. We'll we'll talk to you then. I'll see you next week.
Okay, John Glennon, thank you. Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it. And I am David Beauclair, and thank you again, everybody, for listening to the Believe in Titans podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.